the key to being able to stop is that you value your quality of life more than you value the depletion of it. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, Balancers, I want you to join me in welcoming our final guest of 2022, joining us all the way from Brooklyn in New York City. I am joined by Natalie Kiyun, who is the co-CEO and founding teacher of the class. Natalie, a warm welcome to the Balance Series. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. I'm thrilled to be in conversation with you. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Now, just so our listeners get a little bit of a feel, we can warm them up into the philosophy of the class, a little bit about you as a teacher. Can you share just a little bit about how it came about and what its mission is? Sure, I'd love to. The class is an innovative workout that has a very special combination of things. It combines strength training and cardio with mindfulness. So what you're essentially doing is um, doing very recognizable, repeatable moves like squats and jumping jacks and lunges. And as you move toward that place of exhaustion or fatigue where your muscle is uh, strengthening, but also (laughs) feeling all the feelings, the teacher is guiding you into um, your own experience of your thoughts and your feelings and um, ultimately uh, your state of consciousness as you um, practice navigating challenge. So it's a total hybrid between mindfulness and movement. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. The pithy way of saying it is it is mindful movement. Um, and that's a, a nice, quick uh, espresso shot of what it is. <laughs> and the, you know, the, the, the deeper more complex dynamic definition is really about using the body somatically to understand uh, your mental and emotional well-being. That's beautiful. And I haven't heard the word somatically before. Can you tell me what that means? Yeah. Somatics is anything that connects the mind and the body. So um, one of the things that we connect, uh, that we start with in the class is often we'll will turn on a, a evocative music. It's the, the class is set to powerful, a dynamic playlist. It feels actually like a rock concert. And as you move and the music is shaking your ribs and what we're asking you to do often is tap your heels onto the floor on the beat. And something that simple, which is a somatic practice, it is the body telling the mind where it is. So the heel striking the floor is sending sensation through your joints and through your muscles and through your body. And that's one way of wrangling the mind back from the hamster wheel, from your responsibilities, your to-do lists, your stresses, your anxieties, and back into this place of residence, which is your body. That's so beautiful. I'm really curious, how did this beautiful hybrid 
somatic experience come about? Were you heavily involved in the fitness space as a trainer before and then it kind of was a natural evolution? How did you kind of get to a point where this featured and played, I would say, such a unique part of your practice? Because I can't say, I mean, mindfulness as a movement is, is definitely being more widely embraced, even in the fitness space, but to have it actually as an integral part of a session, um, I think is quite unique. So I'm really curious to hear how it eventuated. Thanks, Erica. It is interesting. Mindfulness, mindful movement is definitely coming into the lexicon uh, for for folks today. But I think what's troublesome is that most uh, fitness modalities who are attempting to move into that space are sort of slapping it on top of their uh, whatever practice they were doing before. Whereas the class, it's a very integral part of our DNA and we've been doing it for 10 years. So the backstory is our founder, Taryn Toomey, um, she used to be in fitness. She used to be in yoga. She had two kids and she felt a lot of emotion of what it is to be a new parent. And she needed something that was going to help her feel better. And she was um, playing around with some of the, you know, tenements of what we do now in the gym of her apartment building. And that's when I met her. I used to be a performer. I was um, a dancer for rock bands. I was an actor. I was doing odd jobs. And I met her when I was working at Lululemon. And the team there said, I think you guys are really going to get along. So I took her class uh, again. It was you just drop 20 bucks in her kids trick or treat bag. And it was sent to her mentor down in Peru. And um, I at first I was laughing my way through the first class. I just thought it was so hard and different and unique. And I didn't really know what I was experiencing. And this was at the time when it didn't have a name. It didn't have a website. Um, Definitely, there was no business model to speak of. But what it was, was I really connected to her and, and she connected to me. And it was one of those moments where you just trust the little whisper in your gut you know that you the and, universal uh, sign yes yes like what is that whisper uh <laughs> behind all of the other voices that are telling me that i ought to be you know pursuing this that or the other and uh so for for a long time it was myself and taryn and one of the other founding teachers jc gossett for about two and a half years discovering what this method wanted to be and how it wanted to be expressed and what the words are. And there was no teacher training manual at the time. It was three people really um, bringing their whole selves and all of the different pathways that have brought us uh, from fitness, from dance, from ceremony work, from psychology, from therapy, from uh, a lot of different healing paths uh, into a space of conversation together and building together. And, uh, and now it's been 10 years. So it's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I definitely want to ask you a little bit about your upbringing and your kind of spiritual experience along that path. But you did just say something that brought a thought to my mind. You were talking about kind of how a lot of, I guess, fitness styles or, um, let's say programs will slap on wellness or mindfulness as a 
a layer on top, but it's not necessarily a fundamental part of their DNA. I think it's an interesting point to then consider if everyone listening just has to think about the way wellness or mindfulness features in their life. Because I feel often we think, okay, I'll just journal and kind of add that to my rushed and busy and stressful morning. And that's my tick dose of mindfulness. But for me, and, and I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but for me, mindfulness embodies, uh, it's a way of being, it's the way your energy is, it's the way you show up. It's not just the five minutes you can allocate and kind of rush throughout the day. So that idea of just adding something on for the sake of kind of checking a box, I think is something a lot of us are guilty of, especially being quite busy working professionals. I mean, a lot of the listeners are high performers. They love pushing their career goals and setting themselves targets and achieving those what do you kind of have to say about really, truly bringing mindfulness into day-to-day life? Like what does that look like to you? What does that feel like to you? And how do we avoid sort of just becoming or falling into a pattern where it is just a checkbox item, making it rather a part of our DNA? Right, right. That's such a beautiful question. Um, I would say initially the checkbox uh, is important. It's an important step. It's the beginning of changing a habit. It is sure. five minutes is uh, is a great um, stepping off point. How five minutes can turn into um, fifty years <laughs> is by um, viewing the practice differently. I think if mindfulness becomes just another task, then we're suffering from the same productivity onslaught that is everything else. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can approach or view mindfulness as actually a way of looking out of your eyes and feeling out of your heart and approaching your, your the three pillars of one's life, yourself, your relationships, and your vocation with a sense of non-judgmental awareness, with a sense of openness, with a sense of kindness, then it's something you actually want to practice. There's a Mm -hmm. desire behind it because it affects every aspect of your life positively. If it's just another task forever and ever and ever, then it's going to feel punishing. I couldn't agree more. And I think that holistic approach is what really enables you to move away from viewing it as an obligation. And I love what you said, and I appreciate what you said, that you have to start at the five minutes, you have to start at the checkbox because you have to start somewhere. Yes. And, you know, and moving beyond that and integrating and incorporating it, incorporating it as a way we view the world, a way we view ourselves is how you move beyond it as an obligation. And I can absolutely resonate with with it feeling like something you want to do, something mm. it's, it's almost like a lens you can't unsee once you, the deeper you go into it. And I think it's mm. a really beautiful way to kind of reshape. And I guess that's what really attracted me to the class in the first place because it's not just, you know, another exercise program or workout, which, you know, I love, I love movement. I love working out, but I was just really drawn to the idea that it was embedded in the way you do things. I want to shift a little bit and and talk about you personally and and kind of before the class even came about, before you worked out and ideated on how your spirituality and movement all kind of came together and about your actual upbringing. And I know, I mean, I've I've read a little bit about how you kind of had this experience with it through spirituality that allowed you to live more freely in your body. And I would just love for you to share just a little bit with the listeners and me about, you know, your upbringing and what that actually meant and looked like to you. 
Great. Thank you. I grew up with a beautiful set of parents. My dad um, is a doctor and my mom, who's now passed away, she passed away about eight years ago. She was a school teacher and she was uh, an ex-nun. So uh, my mother's side, uh, had, she had four siblings, so there were five of them. Two of them were priests and three of them were nuns, and they all eventually wow. left uh, the church and pursued other things. But um, a, a few of them were in psychology. So she was deeply rooted in, I, wish, I will say she was rooted in spirituality that we know of it now more than religious dogma. Um, in our family, mm -hmm. we weren't going to church every Sunday. There weren't those kind of hard and fast rituals that you might imagine when you hear that my mom was next nun. Um, <laughs> she really was rooted in a sense of wanting to connect to the unseen and to poetry and to language that was going beyond the intellect and into the heart. And um, my dad uh, has a real knack for science, but his interest in science was because of the nature of transformation. I recently asked him just on my last trip home, uh, what, what, why did you want to get into the sciences and into medicine? And he said, when I was in school and I learned that water could become ice and it could also become steam, that was it for me. And I said to <laughs> myself, cute. that's actually why I got into what I'm into. Because if you heat something up enough or cool something down enough, it will transform. In my world, that's your nervous system. <laughs> In his world, that's, you know, cellular biology. Yeah. So uh, I had a very unique world uh, where I was either going to learn about the body through spirit or spirit through the body. And then as with all of our parents, we all experience different degrees of challenge. And um, the challenges that I uh, met uh, in growing up really have shaped who I am in that I became very, very dedicated to the intelligence of one's feelings and the intelligence of one's body because in my childhood sometimes that those things were ignored or pushed away and I'm, and now I can look back on it and be grateful at the time I was railing on the universe so sure. uh, that's how it brought me to these practices absolutely and so when I or when we hear the phrase now like living freely in our body or in our life what does that mean to you well, the first thing that came up was physical. Uh, it means that my navel is relaxed. Anytime you feel your navel drawing into your belly and your spine in regular conversation, in a meeting, uh, at home, in the middle of a fight, that means that some part of you is tensing up and some part of you is not able to be fully present as yourself. So I pay very, very close attention to my belly and whether or not I'm shielding myself from the experience I'm having or compressing the experience mm. I'm having. What does it mean for me out there in the world that's a little bit less, uh, I don't know, specific or woo-woo? <laughs> <laughs> I think it means being aware of how honest I'm being with myself and the degree to which I'm able to be honest changes how I look at my reflection in the mirror. It changes how I stand up in front of an all-hands meeting. Um, 
and believe me, those have been difficult in the past couple of years. If any, I know a lot of your listeners are in business when you have to stand up in front of your team and deliver hard news. How honest are you being? And then in my relationship to my fiance, am I hiding, being explosive, weaponizing my thoughts and feelings? How honest am, am I being with myself first and then with those and that which is around me? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow, that's very, very powerful. And, you know, what's what's actually come to mind for me, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I just wanted to share it, is I think often when we talk about self-love, it gets lost in the wishy-washiness of pampering oneself and really like taking prolonged time. But everything you've just said now, being honest with ourselves, being able to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, are we being authentic to who we are, I think is the purest form of self-love. It's the easiest way we can extend kindness and compassion to ourselves, which often requires us to be vulnerable, requires us to be quite brutally honest with ourselves. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. And so I think for me, just listening to everything you've said there, self-love is just coming to mind, even though it's potentially not the typical way we would look at self-love or define it. For me, it's not always roses. And if you can every day look in the mirror and say, am I being true to myself? Am I being honest? And, and therefore living freely within my body and myself, I think is a really beautiful expression of that. So I just wanted to add that that's kind of what came to mind for me then. And just to take it, uh, just to take it back a step, the first point you mentioned about the navel, which for my Aussies, no, that's the belly button. <laughs> um, for me, that's uh, it's indicative of our breath. So absolutely, it's it's when you're holding intention, but it's the one spot really you can tell what's going on with your breath, which is your connection to the energy flowing through your body. So for me, for everyone listening now, you're probably not even taking belly breaths. Like if you actually just release through the belly and breathe through the belly, it feels like almost a weight off your shoulders. Oh. So that was just yes. the other thing that came to mind. The, the fact that you focus oh. there, I think, is indicative of the breath, which is quite powerful as well. Thank you so much for that articulation. I think you're dead on. Um, you know, uh, to piggyback off of what you're saying, whether it's yoga or taekwondo or tai chi, whatever practice, you you know, five rhythms, whatever practice you're engaged in that brings you closer to yourself, they often say that breath is the indicator of your mind. Whether your breath is held, belabored, free, deep, shallow, if you just bring your attention to your breath, you'll come to understand the state of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I want to ask you now about something a little bit more practical because I love, I mean, I love talking about these kinds of concepts on the show about self-love, about mindfulness, but I really do want to make sure everybody listening doesn't just have these concepts in their mind as things they probably need to think about, but actually have tools and tips on 
what that looks like every day. And of course, everything we discuss and with every guest I have on is, is just our opinions. And it just serves to kind of give you a little bit of inspiration to, to think about how it relates to your own balance and day-to-day life. But one thing I want to ask you about, and it's come up in conversation with some of the balances in the last couple of weeks is when you have competing areas of your life going through difficult or challenging moments all at once. And I feel like sometimes the universe gives you chaos all in one go. It's kind of like when it rains, it pours. It's like stuff's not going right with work. Your friendships just feel out of whack or your relationship. And then, you know, you're not really being motivated in the gym. It kind of tends to be sometimes an all domino effect. So in those moments when we have competing areas of our life all going through difficult times, or if you've had an experience like that where you kind of feel chaos on all fronts, what's your go-to to maintain or acquire some level of balance or stability? Like what do you, what's the thing for you that brings you some calm in the storm, if anything? My answer to this is very um, simple to say and hard to do, which is- It always is. <laughs> right, right. Which is stop. I think what happens is, imagine this, you're spinning. You're spinning around in a circle. You know, sometimes we did this in, uh, in, in on the playground, right? Or at Disneyland, there are those spinning cups. You're spinning around in a circle. You're spinning around in a circle. If you're spinning, the last thing you're going to do is take off sprinting. The first thing you do is plant your feet or put your head on the ground or lie down or fall over. <laughs> but you stop. And the world continues to spin around you until it slows down, until it stabilizes. And then you take the next right move. You put your right foot forward and then you put your left foot forward as the world continues to uh, come back into your view. I think um, what happens is when the relationship ends and the work is stressful and the self-talk is so negative, we just start running. It's like we're running with our heads cut off. We're like, okay, okay, so I got to go. I got to do it faster. I got to do it better. I got to get myself up. I got to, where's my green juice? Fuck, I can't do anything right anymore. When ultimately all we really need to do is, okay, hold on. Put both feet on my f- on the floor. Cancel my plans for tonight or the whole weekend or take a week off. Whatever it is, whatever a pause, whatever s- stopping means to you, that's what's I would say is the prescription because if the world is going by in a flash and uh, this you know the storm is right in front of you there's no way you're going to connect to any sense of clarity without stability maybe that's sitting down with a teacher or a mentor who can help you stop mm-hmm. yeah. um, maybe that's taking a mental health day and getting yourself under a tree and putting your bare feet into soil. <laughs> mm. Maybe that's turning off all of your devices, every single screen in your house and opening up a book. Remember those? <laughs> Remember reading? <laughs> um, maybe it's taking a walk without headphones and tuning into one of your five senses or making a practice of first looking, then seeing, then tasting, then smelling, whatever it is that's going to get you to slow down so that the world and you can come back into 
a right velocity. Mm. Yeah, I I really appreciate this advice and I think it's extremely timely, especially this time of year, which is the run-up to Christmas. Everybody listening probably has way more plans than they would like at the moment. I mean, it's a beautiful time of year of coming together, but there is this just strange urgency of everyone needing to see each other before Christmas, like the world's going to end and we can't catch up in January. It has to be before Christmas, you know? Right, It's this really strange pressure, stressful, heaps happening time of year. So I can imagine for a lot of listeners at the moment that world spinning visual you just gave us is something they can really, really relate to. And one thing that I took from it, which I think is very true in light of the advice you've given, is if you're trying to take action from that moment you're spinning, you're literally going to trip over yourself, like in, in, in a literal sense. Figuratively, you're acting from a place of not being aligned, of not being balanced and of not being able to see clearly. And that often doesn't always lead us down the best path. We often don't really make the best choices being in that headspace. So the advice of just stopping and giving yourself that pause, I like to call it no agenda time. So that just means you block out time and space where you don't plan to do anything necessarily. You just leave it up until that day and time and you decide there and then what you need, what you feel like doing. But I love that you've kind of given a a, a breadth of options, so many uh, amazing suggestions of things to do to fill your time. But, of course, as you said, the listeners will know themselves what stopping really looks and feels like to them. And, um, you know, just, just having that time to recalibrate is the word I wanted to throw in, recalibrate. And like you said, get back into the same velocity as the environment before you take action, I think is important to wrap your head around. And I know you said easier said than done. And I know, I know for myself, it's so, so hard to stop. And often when I actually slow down, I always get sick because it's almost like I've been going so fast. I have, my body hasn't even been able to get sick. So that's one thing that you might experience, but it's almost like just let yourself be. And, and on a more macro level, if you can find a way to do this on a daily basis, just to have pauses throughout the day, I think it's one sure way to avoid burnout and avoid getting into these whirlwinds that you really have to take then drastic measures to pull yourself out of. I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, I also can hear, I don't know if I'm hearing the voice of your listeners or or maybe just my own lived experience, but I think um, sometimes when people say like, you know, just stop, just take a breath, just pause. The next dialogue that happens is you don't get it. You don't get what my life looks like. I've got three kids. I run a massive team. I've got big goals. I have a, you know, just look at my schedule. And what I would say to those folks who maybe are having that response of, you know, especially any kind of leadership, whether you're a leader in your household <laughs> or your community or your wherever you are in, in relationship to a community, the key to being able to stop is that you value your quality of life more than you value the depletion of it. Wow. That's, that's very a, powerful. It's a deep, intimate, soul-searching moment, Right. I value my ability to show up and live this gift that I've been given of this one lifetime, as 
far as we know it, depending on your <laughs> belief system, <laughs> over valuing stress, worry, and fear. And if That's you can beautiful. root yourself in, I, I, and if you can root yourself in valuing your quality of life, then you have the chance of, of creating a boundary that is based on self-love to stop and collect yourself. That's so beautiful. And, and the only thing I would add to that for anyone, you know, and, and it is a bit of a mindset shift. You really have to work with yourself to reframe slowing down because often you feel, can feel really guilty for doing it. And one thing that really helped me, which is piggybacking off what you just said, is this idea that if I keep going the way I am without stopping, I'm actually only making 50% of myself available to my loved ones, to my work, to my listeners, to my guests, when I want to be giving them 100%. So I actually owe it to all those people that I want to give my time to, to give time to myself first. So if you need to reframe and make it, you know, I mean, framing it as self-love is an option, but if that's not sticking for you and you're finding that hard, I find reframing it as a selfless thing to do as opposed yeah. to being selfish. If that's one thing you struggle with, that's another uh, powerful reframe. But the big message here leading up to Christmas, uh, even if it's directly after Christmas, you know, find that no agenda time, find that pause and slowly, slowly, I think if you can make that a daily part of your practice, which is why I love something like the class, if you're training every day and then you have that mindfulness at the end, it's like a double whammy. But, you know, for other people it could just be that not having headphones on the train and tuning into five senses or any of the other incredible things you mentioned. So, so many incredible, powerful takeaways from you today, Natalie. I just want to thank you so, so much for giving me your energy, time, and your your beautiful thoughts today on the podcast. I, I really am grateful, and I know the balances would have gotten so much out of it. So thank you. And I would love to know where they can uh, connect with you so I can put some links in the show notes below as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, Theclass.com is our website. and. Um, on the website, you'll be able to get a two-week free trial. Um, and for all of your listeners, I'll add, I'll send over to you for the show notes a 30-day free trial if you're interested. It's the holidays. And I uh, would love to give you guys the, the gift of trying something new and trying something supportive for the, your quality of life. And then on Instagram, it's at the class. And then me personally on Instagram is at this is Natalie. And Erica, thank you so much for not only this conversation and um, your presence, but also for everything that you do on this podcast to help people connect to a greater sense of uh, being and presence and wellness. Thank you. I'm so grateful you got to be a part of that mission. And um, I appreciate the offer of 30 days. I'll definitely put that link in the show notes below so everyone can jump on, check it out. But thank you again. And um, it was really, really nice having you on today.